0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League Podcast. I'm George Tello, and this is going to be the last podcast we do for a while. Um, for obvious reasons, we finally have the off season, and uh, it just makes sense to take two weeks off, or two to three weeks off, um, as we get kind of prepared for... The next season, it'll be season 3 for us on the podcast, but it'll be season 9 of the Gaming League. We've been doing this for a while now. Um, I will obviously talk about the announcement that the league dropped on us. I have tons of notes on that. I will wrap up the standings. I'm going to talk about Chelsea, obviously. I'll talk about D2. Was it? What, what are we going to expect for next season? We say goodbye to Robert on this podcast. I'll obviously talk about this ridiculous transfer merry-go-round that we are expecting Uh, In just a month here on September 1st, and oh man, we also are going to talk about the playoffs, and wow, um, probably the greatest game we've ever had on our Twitch. Uh, But I will get to that in a bit um, in the podcast, so what you guys will hear first is I will wrap up the standings first, and then we'll get into everything else. So I just want to thank you guys for listening this entire season. Season 2 has been really fun to do. Having all the managers on here, having you guys kind of really express yourselves has been fun. Um, It's unfortunate that uh, it comes to an end, but that also means that we're starting up again, and I really am excited for... Uh, just getting started again. I know I'll get into that in a bit, um, that the season's going to start a little bit differently. Um, but I really, really look forward to it. I'm glad that, uh, we, we obviously have some new guys coming in and we will talk about that in just a bit. So I hope you guys enjoy this last episode of season two of the San Pedro FIFA league podcast. So obviously, as we begin the podcast today, um, the standings and everything that goes along with that was a big deal because it eventually led into what was the playoffs. But before I talk about the playoffs, let's wrap you guys up one more time on the standings, the statistics, and... Of course, just trying to keep, catch you guys up on what happened this season because it was a fantastic season. I'd like to give my final thoughts on D1 and D2 um, because, you know, it's it's something that uh, I think that uh, if you talk about it, I think it was something that we had a lot of fun with, and obviously it's the end of the season now. It's time to kind of go back and reflect and this is how it ended in D two. So we had Man City on ten points, uh seventeen for Inter Milan, Gremio had twenty nine, thirty-five for Atlanta, thirty-nine for Torino, excuse me, thirty-five for Atlanta, thirty-nine for Torino, forty-nine for Houston, Leon with fifty, um, fifty-six for Al sixty-two for Atletico Madrid, uh sad note. Um Benfica with sixty six seventy-seven for Ajax and Leicester City one. Too. It's 79 points. So let's start with the bottom, the, the guys in the eight to 12 spots. From what I've seen, and I talked about this a little bit in a couple podcasts, where I was kind of reflecting on what these teams need. I will go into more depth as we start up again. I'm actually going to be doing, um, and this is the plan: is to get really individual episodes, and they're going to be bonus episodes. They're not going to be contingent with what I do. On the week by week basis, these will be extra episodes that you guys can listen to. And we are planning that there'll be about 20 minutes to 30 minutes of just talking about the teams and what they need to improve on and basically just speculating on what they're going to do. Obviously, I've done business with some of these teams, so I will have some inside information on stuff I know, but I will not have inside information on everything. So it's going to be kind of fun to speculate and kind of throw my guesses out on who is going to go to where. And I think it'll be really fun to kind of have that speculation. And uh, I will be doing it with hopefully every team I could get my hands on. I will try and talk to every manager. And that's what I'll be doing on my so-called break. But that way, when we come back, you guys have a ton of episodes to listen to. And it'll be really fun to kind of flood the the podcast with that. Um, But those will be bonus episodes. Um, So I hope you guys kind of enjoy that. Anyways, those teams in that 8 to 12 spot. Um, They shouldn't be too sad because I feel like they will compete next season. I like what Atlanta so far when I've talked to Mike. I know he's trying to make some moves. But Mason Mount, that's the guy he's building around at the moment. Uh, He's got a future with him, and I think he'll continue with that. As for Luis, he's got so much good talent. He's got probably the best young right back in the world. Uh, He's got Kylian Mbappe, the best young player in the world. So those are just two guys I'm naming. He obviously brought in Odegaard, who's a fantastic player. Ruben Neves is another guy. Um, and there's like, tons of other guys here and there that are going to make some impacts for him this season. Obviously, Leroy Sané coming back. This team I expect to do a lot better, but like I said, I will save that for the individual episodes. Um, as far as like Gremio, Inter, Man City, they they should not hold their heads down because there were some moments they had this season where they looked really, really, really good. And obviously, they're going to have to build the team to replicate those performances as we get ready for a different style of season coming up. I kind of actually like this style Um where it's a little bit different. Uh, we mix it up just a tiny bit, but I actually kind of feel like with everything going on, it makes sense to do. Like I said, I'll talk about that in a bit. We obviously in the six, seven spots, we had Leon and Dynamo. And I listen, the team that played a lot better defense this season in club Leon, but scored finally, and we just saw a little bit of bump. I think he scored what was it, 30 more goals or 25 more goals than last season? And you saw where his performance has led him. I think this is a team that is going to very much be in the conversation next season. And I think a lot of guys are going to talk about that. Like, oh man, this could be a team, just a couple more players. Even if they're 80 overalls, they could make a big impact for a team that just needs to score a few more goals here and there, and they could really be in D1. I I genuinely think that. As for Houston, it's the opposite. They're going to need to focus on some defending. I know that they gave up the same amount of goals as Leon. They also, also scored a ton more, so you could say that this team takes advantage of the weaker teams in the division. They have these explosive games where they look undefeated or undefeatable, and then... They have other performances where they're just not good enough against teams they actually need to defend against, and we saw that over the course of the season. Not a very good record against teams in the top three, four uh, spots, and it that's where Houston is going to have to improve. They do have a different squad. They're kind of rebuilding. But at the same time, they're competitive in scoring, so we'll see if they can continue that. And I, I do. I, I think I do. Like I said, I will talk more about it in depth as we go into the off season on what I expect from these teams, but I do expect them just very quickly to hopefully improve that defense with some younger talent that maybe won't force A.G. to spend as he goes on and on here in the league. As for the playoff teams, Al Ein will start there, and I was really, really impressed throughout the season. Always wanted to go to D1. 17 wins, 11 losses, 5 ties, 102 goals scored. That is, I believe, the second highest goal-scoring record in the division. The problem was the 72 goals allowed and the slow start at the beginning of the season. If he had a better start, he could have competed, I think, with Benfica maybe for that third spot, maybe even overtaken Robert for the higher playoff position. Um, But in the end, a lot of mistakes. Teams kind of caught on to what he was doing, and it really affected him. Um, I will obviously talk about the playoffs, but in this season specifically, in the D2 League season, he was found out, and once he was found out, teams were able to hit him on the counterattack. He didn't have talent in that back three, and he was exposed. And it was continuous exposure. Like, it was continuous. So um, that's something that he's going to have to work on as he goes along. As for Robert, this is a hard one to talk about, but he played in probably the best game that's ever been recorded on our Twitch. Um, but long story short, I just, man, it's it sucks to lose him. But I was very, very proud that he had a 20-win season. You know, he didn't score 100 goals, but he also didn't allow more than 50, which is the second-best defensive record in the league. And I don't know if you knew that. Um, But hopefully he, you know, since he retired with honor, I'm assuming we're going to retire Atletico Madrid. Um, This is one of those hard pills to swallow. I I just, you know, he's such a good guy. I obviously had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. so it was kind of kind of sad news to see that he's going to leave. But, you know, that doesn't mean he won't come back. And obviously he left with honor. So I hope that uh, the league will see that and be like, hey, you know, it's come on, come back in. Whether he gets that money and all those other things, that's another conversation for another day. Um, but I'm really, really happy that, you know, he went out swinging. He tried for D1. I don't know if he would have hung it up anyways, but... Um, you know kudos to him i thought he did a good job this season he played some really good games and uh he obviously uh went out with a bang as 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 uh, i hope most people do anyways the top 3 you have benfica ajax and leicester city uh benfica obviously got in they had to play out their last couple games very seriously but they handled business they scored 100 goals in the season in fact the top 3 all went over 100 goals on the year um Obviously, myself, I was able to only allow 31 goals. That made me feel really good about myself. Ajax with just 49 allowed. Uh, So some really good teams overall. In the end, two points separated, uh, me and Diego. And uh, I just was, like I've talked about before, obviously I'm happy to win. Now it's time to focus on D1. And just talking to those two guys, uh, you know, Jalant wasn't sure if D1's going to be a fun adventure. It's not going to be fun for us three but you know we have to look forward to it and there's some teams up there that we could easily handle I think Um, but they're going to come out and I think they're going to want to really beat some of us but um, yeah it's going to be a fun adventure as for you know what's next we'll see but this was this was a fun season uh, as far as (laughs) the way it played out let's go to the stats now because there's some there's some pretty good battles that took place me and Robert talked about it over the season about our goalkeepers. And David Espina and Dean Henderson were going at it. And near the end of the season, there was just a run of games where I had, we just allowed one goal. And I jokingly told Robert, I was like, this is yours now to take. Like, I gave up stupid one goals, you know, a game. I was just giving up these one, just stupid mistakes, and they, the other teams would score. And then Robert went on this run where he's just clean sheet, clean sheet. And then I noticed we were tied. And I did everything I could to get a clean sheet against uh, Jalan in the last game of the season. And I was like, oh, man, okay, I could hold on maybe just one ahead. Nope, Robert gets three more and he wins that. So kind of cool that he he walks off with that. I I mean, that's, that's always a nice way to walk off, obviously, um, in the league, is picking up the golden gloves for your goalkeeper. As for the assists, it was another thing that he dominated. He went with Giuliano to get 19 assists, 18 for Plie, also on Atletico Madrid. You had Palacios of Ajax, uh, uh, Pavona Benfica, excuse me, Harry Wilson of Leicester City, Daka right there of Al Ain, with those guys with 17 and 16 for Daka. So these guys made a huge impact on their teams. But once again, look who two which two players are at the top, Plie and Giuliano. And those guys were so important over the course of the season for Robert. And, um, you know, I, I got to say, it just, just goes to show you have two really good players that can take over a game. They usually end up doing the business um, fairly, fairly well. And um, I, you need guys that are going to be able to provide passes. We saw Robert make some mistakes in the playoff game. But during the course of the season, when he was hitting on the counterattack, those two guys and Playa and Giuliano, everybody was open everybody was open to them and uh, i always thought that was an impressive part of his game um obviously he wasn't the most clinical team in the world but this team definitely knew how to share the ball and that was what was impressive about atletico madrid on to the goal race because this is where things were a little weird because going into my announcement of the seasonal awards i didn't think that Aubameyang was going to be able to catch balotelli but then i realized AG only had one more game and he didn't score with Mario Balotelli. Which left it open for Obama Yang to take over in the last two to three games. And of course what is Jalant Dewey's one shy of fifty? Obviously Obama Yang won the Player of the Year season award, excuse Player of the Season Award in D two. But let's Talk about the top 10 here for a second because we have Mateta, Raul Jimenez on loan. He It goes back to LAFC now, but obviously Ajax had those two guys with 21 goals. Daka of Ain with 21, 24 for Emmanuel Boateng, 26 for Boadu, Maximiliano Gomez, who was on Leon then Atlanta United, at 27, 29 for Giuliano, 35 for Plie, Balotelli at 48, 49 for Aubameyang. These guys over the course of the season were just ridiculous. I mean, there wasn't a game that you didn't think they could score in. I mean, in fact, there's 49 goals there for bummying in just 33 league games. That rate is scary. It's not as scary as the a guy I'm going to talk about later, but it's terrifying to know that You had he spent all that money on a guy like that, and it carried him to D1. I don't know if that's a future sign for some of these D2 managers. I think most guys will take the route that I, me, and Diego kind of took, where it's like, we're gonna build the team up slowly, you know, and just get guys here and there and, um, see what the pieces can do for us. But this was a straight up bait and switch. Like I'm going to get this guy and I'm going to just do everything I can with him. And, uh, if he takes me to glory, he takes me to glory. Um, so, and there's some other impressive names on this list too, to not pass up. You got Erling Holland's on this list. Uh, Joseph Martinez, um, uh, Munier had a good decent season. I think you'll see these guys' names again, especially Erling Holland. There is a huge market for him right now from all the rumors I'm hearing. Um, But that's a whole different conversation. Obviously, if he stays on Inter, I expect him to be one of the better scorers next season um, because I expect that Inter team to improve, especially now that Marco Royce will be there for an entire season. I expect him to be pretty good. Anyways, that was D2. (laughs) And uh, I think we all had a really good time talking about the second division over the course of since its creation. I know guys have come and gone uh, because it's the lower division. I think they get a little bit upset. uh, What's kind of taken place... Um. But I think a lot of guys will also be very, very happy um, with their performances and the fact that they have room to improve. So I really look forward to D2 uh, next season. Speaking of next season for D2, we obviously have Daniel Bryan, who will be Roma FC, <laughs> because Roma will not be in FIFA 21. Um, and then you have Corey, uh, who is joining as well. He is a friend of Dre and all those other guys, the Bakersfield 4222 group um, He joins that. uh, He joins in the second division and he's got some guys on his roster just looking through uh, that just young guys, they're going to take some time to get better. But that's the benefit of playing in the second division is that you can go about your business and just kind of be like, okay, there's no expectation for me right now. I'm just going to coast. I'm going to build my team and that's kind of quite the opposite with Daniel Bryan because he's going to he's been here before. I think guys are going to expect him to try and win right away and the fact that he has openly admitted that he's going to sell players and you know I've been in talks with him for another for a player myself and you know I could see why he wants to make these deals. A lot of these players are going to be very good, but you know he wants to go back to D1. He said it in his just very different interview that I had with him. Um so I fully expect that he uh does everything he can to really quickly build a squad, and he's got the young players to kind of sell sell out uh, and really build a good starting eleven. Anyways, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the first division. We'll talk about everything that took place this season up there uh, because it was a spectacle, to say the least. We'll be right back. So obviously D1 over the course of the season had um, just ridiculous things happening, whether it was the goal-scoring race, whether it is the undefeated battle between uh, Chelsea and Club America. Um, And then we had the rise of a team like Celtic, another impressive season from Barcelona, Augsburg being consistent as ever, still finishing in the top four. But we're going to start this part of the podcast with the stats this time around, um, mostly because uh, we saw some pretty interesting things happen in the statistical sheets here. We broke a record this year of having four different keepers record 10 or more clean sheets, and that's Bert Leno of Olympic Lyonnais, Kepa Rezobalaga of Barcelona, Castiles of Chelsea, and Strakosha winning the Golden Gloves with 19 of Club so this is the first time ever we ever had this happen. Uh Martin uh, Pereira of LAFC was just too shy of making it five, but I think next season we could see more clean sheets, only because I feel like guys are going to focus more on defense next season. And with seeing a goalkeeper almost get twenty clean sheets, I think guys will be like, "Man, this is this is definitely a possible thing to kind of get some draws, especially against the teams at the top, staying or surviving in the in the division." will be more of a necessity straight out of the gate, I think, next season, where guys are going to be like, okay, I need to get points now, and I need to hold on to as many points as I can get. Every single game is going to matter until it doesn't, obviously, um, and you're safe. But I think at the beginning we'll see a lot of teams focus more on, let me just play some defense, let me just get myself in a nice comfy spot, especially if they don't think they can win the title. I fully expect guys to go out and do that. As for the assist battle... If Mohamed Salah didn't exist this season, there's no telling how good Chelsea would have been. Paulo Dybala would have won and broken the record for the most assists in a single season. Hell, even Kevin De Bruyne and Kai Havertz would have had an argument for the best best midfield seasons ever. And I know Havertz has flipped in and out, but even he had one of the best seasons that we've ever seen. The crazy part is, Mohamed Salah didn't just break the record. He sent it damn near 40 assists throughout the season with 38. He only added 14 goals. And that's partially because of the two strikers that played in front of him. Here's the thing, though. Mohamed Salah still had one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a player on the outside wing. I don't think I've ever been more impressed with a guy being able to do what he does. If you look at the top six and guys who are in assists right now, most of them play up or er, play up front or they play down the middle for their specific teams, whether it's Messi, Ronaldo, Kai Havertz, De Bruyne, Dybala, and Mahmoud Salah. Hell, even Marcus Rashford, Henry Son, they play in the middle. Douglas Costa has even been used as a midfielder, and Moussa Dembele, who had 18, finishing 11th on this list, tied with Immobile, both strikers. Kind of a crazy thing to uh, to think about, but even Letaro Martinez had 18 assists and only 16 goals throughout the season for BSC. So those are things that you want to focus on throughout the season is that most of the assist providers came from right down the middle of the park. A lot of guys aren't feeding those passes in. Obviously, Di Maria and uh, Felipe Anderson might be exceptions. Nicholas Pepe, uh, Lucas Mora, those are guys that fluctuate in their positioning. No telling where they're getting a majority of their assists. But as far as the impact of Salah and Paulo Debala, I don't think either one of these teams would have been the same if neither one of those guys played for them. I, I think it would just be a totally different story if Chris had a run with Dybala. I think he'd still won the title. I don't know if he would have won it in some glorious fashion that he did, but I think um, you have to uh, you have to really appreciate all the effort that he put in uh, with, with this player. Uh, and Salah, of course, I know he didn't get any votes for player of the season, but he was definitely important to what was a... I mean, a goal-scoring machine um, in Chelsea. As far as the goals, uh, as we come towards the end here, um, you know, obviously the top 10 is very decorated. Uh, Musa Dembele, mobile with 27, finished tied for 10th. Messi with 29 in the ninth spot. Dabala had 30 and 30. He's in the 8th spot. De Bruyne with 31. Ben Yedder ahead of him with 33. 37 for Leroy Sané. Luis Suarez with 49. He was tied with Kai Havertz. Ronaldo with 50. And Hinmin Son with the goal-scoring record of 64 goals in one season combined, this is the most a team has scored ever. Out of all the goals that they scored this year for Chelsea, that is the most ever. Um, Not obtainable to catch up again, Um, I don't think. I think this is the greatest season ever, and I'll talk about that in a bit. But Leroy Sané, Luis Suarez, Kai Havertz, big seasons from them. Wissam Yedder obviously is a versatile player that everyone can use. Um, I think everyone should be very, very impressed with him. Uh, I did like Timo Werner was solid. Yannick Carrasco was a guy that uh, I was really impressed with. Um, so kudos to those teams right there. Even Roberto Firmino was a guy. I know he's a little bit more of a – he play, Joey plays with them the exact way he plays in real life. So when you hear his name come up in the top 20 still, I think that's still an impressive season. Um, but obviously, Henmin Son and Ronaldo being the first teammates to score over 50 goals each – uh they combined for over 100 in what is it 114 goals um on the season so that is that's more than most teams score um in two seasons <laughs> and so i thought that was really impressive um obviously those are things that we can control at times but how good was chris is an understatement top 2 in clean sheets right and obviously he went undefeated um, best two goal scorers in the league, obviously most assists with Salah, and this is the greatest season we we might ever see. I mean, I know I talk about it a lot, but I'm not. It's not even like a brag. But when you're undefeated, there's everybody wants to beat you, and the fact is they could not beat him. Like I went a month or two months doing it. He went an entire six months doing it. I cannot imagine the pressure that he had to feel every single game that he played, especially when teams like, I know a lot. I talked to a lot of managers. They're sitting everyone back and no one is going forward. It was, oh man, it had to be so frustrating, but he still scored. I think it was like three, four goals a game. He was averaging. So this is the best team we've ever seen. Um, so kudos to Chris. I mean, he, he obviously knows what he's doing. Um, he obviously handled business. Uh and I mean who couldn't be more impressed with with him? I mean, he's he is the pinnacle of our gaming league. Um as for the rest of the vision, you talk about the standings, you look at the guys who went down, I look forward to them in D2. Um I think they will be focused to kind of recoup what happened this season. Um and I and I think that they'll look forward to being a lot more aggressive as they go into D2 they'll have some some better advantages specifically in the fact that they'll be able to kind of i wouldn't say do whatever they want but they're going to be able to kind of get out and express their game um in different ways whereas in D1 they have to play a little bit more compressed um i don't think i don't think they'll have that problem as they go into D2 i think they'll be able to play however they like And that'll be really fun to kind of watch as they get better. As for the teams that survived the playoff, I think they're going to have a different perspective. I think they're going to need to realize getting out of the gate early and getting some points might save you a lot of trouble. Um, I not I'm talking about the first month, but maybe that second and third month. Really try to establish yourself. I think we're going to see teams be more ready to do that. And uh, I look forward to watching that, frankly. I I just do. I think that guys are going to want to, get out ahead of it, which will make the very opening games super competitive. I think that'll apply pressure to teams in the top four because that's been the criticism, right, is that guys kind of rest on their laurels, like, oh, I'm not going to beat him, so whatever, I'm just going to go for it, whereas guys now might think, hey, I might be able to beat him, let me be the guy to do it and break that winning streak or that uh, undefeated streak and let me ruin his afternoon or something like that. So I could expect that a little bit more, and I expect guys to be a lot more aggressive against guys in the top four this season. And just just in the way of being a little bit more tactically understanding, I think we'll see guys really go for it. Uh, I, I really, really expect that, that's for sure. As for everything else that goes on with D1, we looked at the mid-table. Right, these this is Lone city right here. Guys were loaning uh, players to the teams up top in the in the title race. They were loaning guys to people in the relegation battle, and those guys were playing the financials and they were doing it very well. Uh, to their credit, um, I would like to see. Maybe we shouldn't do five teams getting the uh, getting five loans. Maybe we should limit it to three or four. But reg- regardless, I I think we're gonna see a big uptick in those things of. Um, guys being a little bit more willing to keep their players around only because I think they have to feel, as do I, uh there is going to be a huge change in the way everyone does business. People are gonna want their money up front. If you're not gonna be able to pay it, don't don't try and come at us with, oh, you know, I, I you know, the loan to buy I think is gonna die. So I think it's gonna really help some of these other teams. Um that already have good players. They can kind of sit there and wait and really hold these other guys for ransom. And you'll see these mid table teams do it again this season. I think once they sit in that little space and they're like, Hey, I'm really going to win. They're going to be all right. D one was crazy. Like I said, congratulations to Chris. Congratulations to those two teams. And uh, who stayed up, you guys did your thing. Um, I look forward to D one next season. Um, We're going to take a break. And when I come back, I'll get into everything else. And, uh, yeah, we'll be right back. So, of course, before we move on to anything else, um, I just very quickly wanted to thank Robert for, um, just being an excellent person in the league and being able to, um, you know, kind of handle his business and just go about it the right way. Uh, you know, uh, excuse me, Robert was, uh you know he was consistent and trying to build his team and and he was very adamant in the times I've talked to him in the past before this season um it was always about I'm just going to do what I need to do my team's going to get better and better and uh you know it it's going to suck losing someone that actually uh you could tell kind of had a passion for it um but i think at the end of the day you know good luck to him and whatever he's, he's doing next in the sense of, you know, if he's got some life stuff he's doing and this and that. And, um, I wish him the best of luck and I'm sure everyone else does. Um but yeah, I, I hope he still keeps up with it. I know certain people like Martin, uh, have kept up with it and, uh, you know, I do know that we have some newcomers coming in that could fill maybe the void. Um, but, uh, you know and hopefully they make the same uh same impact as Robert did albeit Robert never got to D1 um but he still played in probably one of, it was the best game i think i've ever seen uh that we've ever had on our twitch and uh i'm going to talk about the that uh after this but um i just am very i just wanted to take time out of the podcast because it is our last one of the season And just thank Robert uh, for being a good servant of the league. And um, I hope that uh, maybe he comes back someday. Um, And uh, I hope that no one can touch Atletico Madrid until he decides to either say, hey, I'm never going to come back or let somebody else take it. Anyways, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about the playoffs when we come right back. So speaking of Robert and speaking of playing yourself in the D1 this was the Roberts' last act, and he was joined by three other teams. Al Ayn, which was the other D2 squad. We had Borussia Dortman, which is led by Wayne, and Atletico Nacional, which is led by David Herrera. And we had some good guys that, um, I mean, we had some good players on each team. We had Plie for Atletico Madrid, Juliano. I talked about their accomplishments and how good they were um, over the course of the season. They were so dominant in D2. And you look at Don. he was able to score over 100 goals with his squad. Um, and I talked about his flaws, but going into this game, you kind of felt like, hey, if he could keep the talent of Atletico Nacional at bay, he might have had a chance. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to talk about Al Ain and Atletico Nacional. Al Ain was the fourth or the fifth seed, excuse me, uh, in D2 last season. And he got his opportunity to play the 16th Best team in D1, and that's how I'm going to place it because I do believe these D1 squads were still very much better. Um, and that led to me, uh, talking about that 16 spot maybe getting rid of uh, their chance of being in the playoff at all. And well, we've seen why. I mean, it's, it's, I know Gaidon is still at a place where he's just like not maybe ready. Um, for D1, and I think it's probably best that he stays another season in D2, only because I don't think he's got one talent. Um, you could definitely see there's some FIFA ability there. Uh, I definitely believe that Gaidon needs some time, and once he has that time in the second, in the second division, I think he'll be pretty formidable once he could, does come up to D1, whenever that is. Who knows how the next season can go, um, because remember, only three teams go up, and so far, it doesn't look like we're going to make any alterations to that. I know that there's still time. We still have the off season. New rules are going to come into play. Um, so we're going to see how those things happen. We'll see how things play out when that as far as that goes. But as far as the two playoffs go, Gaidon did not look like himself. The possession game was not there. And this is me talking to him. Um, I, I was not able to watch it. I, w- I had woken up way late because I was I was exhausted from working overnight um, but guy don even told me it was not the best performance he's ever given um, he was mildly I think disappointed in himself but I think he was reassured later he talked to me and a couple of the guys uh, when we we're playing pro clubs and he just you could tell that like he's he's a little upset but I can't blame him for being upset I don't I don't like losing either uh, but I think he really came on late in the season uh, throughout the second division. And I think that hurt him. And, I, and same thing with, you know, with Robert. I think they came on just a little bit too late. But at the end of the day, it uh, they had their chances. And um, as far as Atletico Madrid and Dortmund go, we got one of the most insane games I've ever seen. Like, I, I'm i trying to think of games that I've watched on, like, not just with, uh, not just on Twitch, but, like, that I've seen in person for the Gaming League, you know, uh, this is the best one I've ever seen, like, it's not even close, like, I don't even want to be mean, but it's not even close, I mean, (sighs) sorry, I'm yawning, um, uh, (laughs) a lot of work being put in this podcast, anyways, um, but, This is the best game I've ever seen. Like, I, I, we had goals. We had some defending at some point. It was very rare, uh, especially in that second leg. But I think we have to give some credit to Robert in that first leg. He was way the better team in that first leg. And I don't know what Wayne did. I don't know what, you know, what tactic he changed, but... You know, it looked like he just became more direct and I think that was the thing that helped him the most is that he became direct and once once he opened up the attack Dortmund were the better team. You know, and it was just so easy for Wayne in that second in that second leg. I know he started to press. Um he started getting uh guys in space. You saw Richarlison make an impact. Anthony Martial was making impacts. Those little jukes that he was having. Oh my goodness. And when was the, the story of the second leg? Up until the last, I would say, last two, three FIFA minutes where Robert is able to tie it on aggregate because there's no away goals. It is straight up aggregate. And oh my God. <laughs> Robert then pushes us to sudden death. Um, this is the first one, I I believe this is the first playoff to ever have sudden death. We then are, I think it's what, 10, 15 minutes in Dortmund break on another Atletico Madrid mistake. It, it's a keeper save. Espina spills it though, and it's there to just be picked up, and it's just smacked in the back of the net, and that's how Dortmund stays up in D one. Um, which, yeah, you know, I've I seen some people like telling him like, "Hey, just let him play the full game," because it was just such a good game. But uh, uh, that that's how it ends, unfortunately, uh, for Robert. I, I like I said. He's obviously leaving the league now, but I just felt like, man, if you're going to go out, that's the way to go out. Playing in probably the best game I think we're, we've had on our Twitch. I think we'll get some games like that in the future. I know league matches, they could be very arbitrary because guys aren't trying to lose their league position. They're playing it a little bit more conservatively. Whereas in a cup, you know, you might go for it. especially against some of these bigger teams. Um, you know, you, you obviously have to take into account that uh, this is the opportunity. It's it's like the world's most uh, expensive game, um, or the world's richest game, whatever they call it in England when they're playing in the championship playoff final um, because of the money that can go into in, into your club. And this is kind of something similar where... Hey, you win this game, you're going to get D1 money next season. Not to mention you have the FA Cup money, and you have all these other things. So those are things that matter. Um, but, um, yeah, that's that was pretty much all my thoughts on the on the playoff. It wasn't like uh, these were, you know, and I, I, I wouldn't say these were like the best teams in our league battling each other. But what we got from these squads uh, easily was some of the best that we've ever seen. Uh, And I hope that leads to us wanting more Twitch games, which I will talk about uh, in the next segment, because there's a lot to talk about in this next segment. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the new rules for our new league season on the horizon. We'll be right back. Welcome back from the break guys. So FIFA 21 is on the horizon on October 9th. Now I know most of us will be pre-ordering, And the rush to get to the PlayStation 5 will no longer be an issue. Stated by our league, uh, just, I believe, yesterday or the day before, the race to get your PS5 will not take place until July 2021. So thankfully, these guys were smart, and they were able to wait and not make everyone rush to get it done. Listen, I I know it seems a little insane to wait. I did it say June or July. It Doesn't matter. That's still a long time away, um, but I but I do believe the conversations I've had with other managers and other people, and the realisticness of the pandemic and everything else going on financially, um, you know, it just makes sense to make guys or give guys a chance to get it. And I know that people are like, "What do you mean everything is more expensive?" on the on the PS5, pretty much everybody, Microsoft and Sony have even admitted next-gen stuff is probably going to be about $70 minimum on a game. So keeping that in mind with the fact that the PlayStation 5 might cost f- upwards to five dollars $600, I think it's probably smart that we wait and we keep it in perspective that, um, you know, we're not going to jump to something like that. Without first having, you know, a good minimum of the League having a PlayStation 5. Sorry about the scratching there. I uh, I just moved to my desk. Anyways, um, let's get into some of the new rules that we will have. uh, Or, excuse me, an update to the new League calendar, as I wrote on my notes. Okay, so the window will start on September 1st. That is the beginning of the League season. All the way through October 9th, which the window will shut. And the league season will commence with our VT Cup and is not the ninth annual VT Cup. It is just the ninth VT Cup. (laughs) And uh, that will take place on the ninth through the 18th. So I imagine uh, it is going to be one of those VT Cups where it's a very much a learning experience. We've done this in the past. Uh, We didn't do this the last two seasons um, because uh, we were able to time out. Uh, the league season a lot better whereas um, I know in the past we've taken a month off to practice FIFA. So I kind of like that we're just being tossed into the fire and I I enjoy this kind of a little bit more. Everyone has a level playing field because half the time, even if you get the demo, it doesn't mean jack shit. So anyways, let's move on to the next point I have here. VT Cup like I said, uh, the league season begins officially on October 19th. So you gotta get yourself together here because even though in my talks with Trey I told him in the past I said hey man you're going to have to push back this league season just a tiny bit give some guys some chances to play the game now that it's going to be coming out a little bit later this is more than enough time you have more than enough time to get yourself together uh i believe you have all of october and november um to finish your games uh and i think you'll have you have 2 months to finish the 12 games and then the good thing is is that the FA Cup will not begin until November. So we're going to encourage everyone to finish their games in October ASAP. Uh, that is something that I think is pretty cool. And the group stage will eventually commence in January. Uh, the table placement will pay out funds now, and the, uh, the rest will go to the end of the season for those who make it further. This is to compete or complete. Uh, a thing an idea that many people have had, I think on the board in the past, and some things i've heard overheard from other board members they want to compete they want to keep competitive balance throughout the season. And that is something that is important to, I think, uh, especially some of the guys who have been in the league a little bit longer. Um, they probably should not have those advantages throughout the midseason window because they've been here longer. Maybe the first window it makes sense because they've they, they earned that. But having this in the middle of the season to where guys aren't getting that extra money during the midseason window. Also, another good thing that the... Uh, payouts coming at the end of the season will do is that um, not be, not only just because it helps the window uh, but because it'll keep teams from overspending and I think it's going to save them from themselves um, especially those teams on the lower end of the table I'm sure they'll feel like they deserve more money uh, if they get further in this and they need it for you know survival in the relegation battle or something along those lines and that might be the only con I have to this. But other than that, I think guys are going to want to be... They're, they're going to be okay with, hey, if I finish higher uh, and I'm getting promoted into the you know knockout stages, I think some guys might even be okay with that only because now they don't have to necessarily go crazy focusing on the window, uh, which, which is fine. I mean, the midseason window most of the time is a bunch of loans, a lot of snarky deals, and I think the league kind of might... I think subconsciously for them and the way they want the league to go uh, is avoiding these ridiculous deals. And that is how you can do it. You can make everyone's money go to a later time. And having this at the end of the season, um, and I apologize for all the noise. I don't know what everyone woke up with in my area this morning. It seems like not just make a lot of noise today, I guess, is their goal. Um, but regardless, um, <laughs> uh You know, as far as the end of the season money going to that, I think it 's kind of cool that all the money and what you 've done over the course of the season is heading towards uh heading to you at the end of the year, so now you can have your league, you can have your f a cup money and all that will come at the end and I think that might be a little bit better and remember it 's not all the money it 's just whatever you get for advancing and i 'll talk about that. Uh, In a second here, because I I just think people need to understand that wherever you place on the table, you're going to get paid out immediately. So even if you're not good in the three and four spots and you don't go into the knockout stages, you're still going to get your money ASAP. So you don't have to feel bad about that. You don't have to panic and worry about things like that. Where I think guys are going to panic is the guys who make it to the round of 16 that are probably on that fringe level of, hey, I might get promoted. Uh or, I mean, excuse me, I might get relegated, and I might need this extra money, but, like I said, that is the only thing that I think that guys will feel bad about. I still think that this is a good idea uh waiting in and and making everyone wait to get their money until the end of the season. That way, that big window is the off season window, and um i just I just think that makes more sense to have that window be a lot bigger that way there's not a lot of roster changes going through. Kind of like in real life. And and really, the midseason window is perfect the way it is because it's just a little bit over a week uh, because we now have new dates for it. It's January 18th to the 31st of January. So January will officially be the ending of the group stage and the last chance for a window. Unlike in the past, whereas we finish the FA Cup and then boom, there's the window. This time around, the window will come before the knockout stages and what is really the business business end of our league season. And in reality, this is way better because now it allows teams to gear up for the round of 16 and et cetera. Uh, whether, whether even in the league, it allows you to gear up appropriately. Hey, I made it to the round of 16. I know I'm not going to get this money anyway, so let me play uh, pay it forward. Let me go out and get someone that I know I'm going to be able to uh, – you know really get a cash advance on now in the sense, you know, like hey, let me use the money I just got from the FA Cup and the group, you know, just qualifying out of the group stages. I'll spend this because I know if I'm going to get to the final, I, I'm okay with making some of this money back. I think that'll be the mentality of a lot of these guys. Um, but like I said, the window is from the 18th to the 31st of January. That's how you want to kick off this first season with FIFA 21. A lot of improvements are going to be. Happening at that, or upgrades, I should say, are going to be happening for the uh, for a lot of players in FIFA in that time. But also, we're going to see a really weird season in real life as well that will affect how guys are going to buy their FIFA players. Um, And what I mean by that is that the season is is going to start on the 29th uh, with the Community Shield uh, in England. A lot of these other leagues are going to agree to start their leagues up again. And the reason why is that TV deals have not expired for a lot of these leagues and they will demand that, Hey, you're already playing you. I think a lot of the leagues and the FAs are going to say, we might as well just keep rolling because we might, we don't know if we might have to stop again. And regardless of whether you believe science or not is real, uh, they are getting into their third trial and that's a good thing and all, but you guys got to understand if any of that fails, they have to go back to square one and that could lead to being in and Chances are we might not see crowds, and I think that's where we'll still keep seeing the transfer market values of certain players be affected um, and team spending be affected. But other than that, I think guys will still be very happy with the fact is people want money for their players right away, and that is the change. And by doing what they did uh, and giving the money at the end of the season, this will pretty much limit how much teams are going to be willing to loan players out because they will not see that money until the end of the season. Now, our season officially ends on March 31st, but before we get to that, before we even get near that, we have the FA Cup pushing into the end of the league season, which is something we've never seen before, something that we've never had before. Whereas the FA Cup is pushing closer and closer towards the end of the league season, we might get a lot more drama. The round of 16 will have be given will give teams two weeks to figure it out from the first to the 15th of February. Uh, the quarterfinals and the final eight will have the, uh, the 16th to the 28th to play. The semis a mandatory twitch will be from the th- uh, from the first to the 15th, and all those are two leg ties. Unlike this last season where it was just one game, all these games are two. Legs, And that will make things very interesting. And I actually like this structure more because you have the window go before this and then it begins the round of 16. So teams will know only a handful of teams will really be in um, the round of 16 anyways, knowing that they're going to be able to go forward and really have to focus on both. And this is going to put more pressure on guys in the league season to focus on also the FA cup. And this will keep competitive balance. This is something that I talked about a long time ago on the podcast. I don't know if you guys remember it was during the first season on the podcast. And I was talking about keeping competitive balance and maybe these things should end near the same time. I, I don't know if they should end this close towards each other. um, But you know, it, it's, I, I was thinking more so a month before, but still this is really, really fun. Uh, and I hope it keeps a good balance for a lot of these teams that, you know, injuries could pile up. It's a very possibility that FIFA 21 injuries are do become a thing. And, and guys do get injured a lot more often than we've seen uh, in FIFA 20 because it's been pretty irre- uh, irrelevant. Teams really don't have injuries. And it, a lot of it could be the way people play, but I think a lot of it has to do with the way FIFA 20 plays. Um, but anyways, like I said, semis March 1st to, to the 15th. And then the final is TBD, which means depending I, I, and this is what I'm assuming this, this is, there's no truth behind this, but this is what I'm assuming. We are going to get to a point where guys are going to be like, okay, we have the two best teams in the FA Cup final. They're also playing each other for the league season. Like, I think that'll be the reason that we haven't determined what the final date is because we might have a lot more drama bouncing all over the place, depending on who's competing where. And I think, I think that's actually pretty going to be pretty fun. Um, and sorry if you heard me tap my screen, I just get, I'm getting like way too many Jamal Lewis updates and I don't really need to know that, uh, Liverpool are buying a backup for Andy Robertson. Um, anyways, I will talk more about this as we go into the third season of the podcast and how guys should be focusing, um, and kind of lining up their team. Um, but I'm, next, I'm going to talk about the transfer merry-go-round. This is just insane. And this is just my assessment of the transfer market that is to come starting September 1st. We'll be right back. So the transfer market has been uh, in the past, a loan to buy option armada of sequences guys get them. And then they decide halfway through, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. And I think this year, this season specifically, we're finally seeing the death of the loan to buy option. Now, Some guys will still use it. I know me personally, I still like it, especially a team coming from D2 to D1. I know the money will be there at the end of the season now, especially it'll be protected even if I go further and I make it into the final 16 um, in the FA Cup. I also know if I survive in the league season, that money is pretty nice. So knowing that I could at least get a player or two for my good performance throughout the course of the season, I think I'm happy with that. Hell, if I even only get one, I'm okay with that. And the best way to secure that, in my personal opinion, is the loan-to-buy option. Now, a lot of guys are against that now because the money in the league has changed so much in the way guys do business, is that guys will loan it, they'll get a cheap end price for the loan, and then they won't buy do the buy option because they realize, hey, I've saved up enough money throughout the course of the season, I've exceeded my own expectations, and now I'm going to buy somewhere better than this loan-to-buy option player. And really, the only real negative that causes this is because guys will have someone over the course of our league season, they'll see how he does in real life, realize he's not doing good at the moment, and then send him back, which has a lot of teams, I think, being very cautious. The teams I've talked to, a lot of them want their money up front, and I've told them, like, I respect that. Like, doing deals with these teams and they don't want to do a loan to buy, hey, I'm not mad at you, like go and do your thing like i, I I'm not upset that you want to make those moves, um, but you got to understand with the next FIFA, it could change so much the way we play, having that money go into your pocket, whether even even if it's just minimal, I think could really be helpful. I don't think guys' teams are going to be as perennial as they think they are. Remember, this FIFA's a lot different. Uh, than the other the ones I played in the past where the defense just isn't a thing. I know a lot of us started to figure out the defending here towards the end, but that, and then that's usually how it works out in our league. But FIFA 21, man, it, it might play just so much different, and you're going to want to have those guys on your team if, if you're looking for that loan-to-buy option. Uh, but if you're on the opposite end and you're the team that, you never know, you might need them. Injuries could be a thing. You could also feel pretty robbed of a player for the majority of the season. And I think that's where guys are going to go is, Hey, I want my cash up front. You know, um, we're seeing a lot of wingers be available too. I think that is something that I haven't really seen in the past. I think a lot of guys were always willing to hold on to their attacking players as much as they could uh, because mostly because I think that you never know when one is going to get hurt and you just kind of want to have that guy. But then if you have a bad season, or you have a mediocre season and you want to turn things around. Now becomes the moment where you start to sell everybody. I think we're seeing that with a lot of teams, uh, specifically in that range of about five to eighth in Division One, where they're going to be willing to kind of just move on from these guys and just be like, "Hey, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to move on from them." You know, um, this this just makes like the best ideology for me to to move on from. So things like that are always going to happen. Um, Another thing that is happening is guys transitioning from D1 or D2 to D1 and vice versa. I don't know if I said that right. But anyways, guys going up are going to look to refurbish their squads. They're going to look to build their teams a lot more actively with better better players guys they know are going to be good versus guys they hope are going to be good whereas the flip side d2 of the guys going from d1 to d2 might be okay with relinquishing a lot of the guys they have on their squads getting some extra money saving for the d2 season realizing that they could probably go up without having to rebuild too much of their squad and or they're going to be willing to rebuild their teams while having the opportunity to go up and using their ability of having all the money <laughs> that they'll have at their hands from selling their players. And I think guys are going to do that. I Some of the managers in, that are in D2 now, I've talked to them. They're going to use the opportunity of staying in D2 to continuously build towards players they want. Whereas some guys are going to go, hey, I know D1 is where literally all the money is. I need to get back there, even if it's for a season that's how I'll be able to rebuild the squad. And I think guys can't be too desperate, but at the same time, being very forefront on trying to get back to D1, I think is actually a good idea. Everyone always tells me like, oh, you should sit there and build your squad. There's no money down there. The winner got 35 mil. Everybody else in D1 still was hitting 30 mil. I think it was last place. So, that's how competitive D1 is. You you want to be there. Even if you're the worst team there, you're still getting 30 mil. That's better than finishing 6th or 7th in D2. So I think a lot of guys will start to pick it up and realize, I need to get to D1. I need to be a little bit more desperate in the FA Cup. I don't care how good these teams are. I don't care who I get mixed up with. I need to be better. And I think I think they'll put more pressure on the D1 teams. I don't think we'll see as many, ups. Uh, you know, Anything too crazy happen upset wise, but I I just think guys are going to be more willing to go for it in the FA Cup and early on in the D1 and D2 seasons that uh, most people won't expect these teams to do anything. But the teams themselves will probably feel like, hey, if we go for it now and we obviously settle into a position, I think that's where guys are going to go. It just makes the it makes the most sense to do. And if they're not doing it, I'll gladly do it because uh, I don't want to be left having to play Chris, Serge uh, and Santi and the, the other guys up there when I need to win a game. That That's just how I feel about it. Anyways, we're going to get to my favorite part of this podcast when I was setting it up. And if I sound a little, a little bit more enthusiastic, it's because I had to do with all this stupid sound in my neighborhood. And I was trying to talk lower and more into the mic so that way you guys wouldn't hear the noise. And you probably heard it anyway, so I absolutely failed. Anyways, after the mini break I'm going to take, we're going to get to one of my favorite things of the year, of the league season. It is the team of the season for both D2 and D1. We'll be right back with that. All right, people. It is finally time for the team of the season for the eighth San Pedro FIFA league season. Uh, I know a lot of you love knowing that your guy was in the top 11. Um, I didn't do benches. So this is purely the top 11 D one was all voted, uh, for, um, that this is a hundred percent. The manager's votes, the D two one was me and only me. I could only take responsibility for it. Um, But I did use some indifferences if guys got player of the season votes that held up over statistics because that made overall impact statistics weren't a main drive, but it was who and what team they were on and that kind of impacted them and, and how it impacted them. So as far as D2 goes, we start with the goalkeeper, and that's Dean Henderson. Dean Henderson just missed out on player of the season. Uh, he is of Leicester City in total over the course of the season, had 15 clean sheets. That includes the FA Cup and the VT Cup. He is joined by Calero, his his center back, also of Leicester. Uh, I, let me not butcher the first name, but I think it's Timo Cahir of Atletico Madrid and Kamara of Ajax join in the back three. I'm doing a 3-4-3. Three, but this is the one that you guys actually care about here in D2, and it's the attackers. So we're going to start with the midfielders, though. Uh, Harry Wilson of Leicester with 14-18 and 18 over the course of his season. Giuliano with 31-19. and 19. Obviously, he had some player of the season votes, but he was an easy pick to put in here. Uh, Andres Yanesta, 14-15 and, and of Houston. I just think the most pure-end passer, and at his age, doing what he's doing for... Uh, this squad, I mean, you could not be more impressed with it. Uh, he obviously made a huge impact in this Houston attack, and going 10, uh, having a guy almost go 15 and 15 at his age, and if you looked at everybody else, there really wasn't many guys who uh, dominated this this much uh, like Ianesta. so I was really happy to find him on this list. And then McAllister of Al Ain with 16 and 12 throughout the course of the season. Al Ain had a lot of contributions from a lot of different guys, but McAllister was the creative playmaker. Uh, and if chances created with some stat, I could see, I could almost guarantee you that McAllister was one of the top guys and creating a lot of chances, um, he was very important for this outline team. But let's get to the top three. Alisson Plie with 43 and 23. He was the third highest goal scorer throughout the course of the season. He is obviously on this list. Uh, he leads all the strikers in the league, in this division, excuse me. I keep saying league, in this division uh, with 23 assists. That's the best out of all the forwards in this division. Obviously, Atletico Madrid is out of our league. But this is a good way to go by picking... Uh, by having three guys make it into the team of the season. Mario Balotelli, second in the player of the season award, uh, gets 52-17 and 17 on the season. Houston with their second player in the team of the season for D2. And, of course, the player of the season himself, Pierre McAvameyang, 53-14 for Benfica. And that those stats, guys, are over the course of the season. That includes the FA Cup. Um, so a lot of these guys, you're like, what the heck, those stats don't make sense. Because Aubameyang only, you know, had so many goals. But I am very, very proud to um, to say that we put together, I think, a pretty good team. I think this team would win a lot of games if someone had them. Uh, um, I don't know about running a 3-4-3 with this squad, but... Um, I digress. I think this is a pretty good attacking squad and I think uh the the guys who got players on here should be pretty happy with their performances. I actually look forward to doing the D2 stuff next season because I think there's going to be a lot more of uh more competition. I think there's going to be more parity. I think it, it's going to be a little bit more even. I don't know if we'll have teams breaking away. Um, maybe the new guy, Corey, because he might be able to surprise a lot of people. And I've heard some really good things that he's a pretty competitive player. So I think other than that, I think, look forward to seeing a lot of mixed names next season. But as we always find out, there's always one team that has those two, three guys that just take up all the stats. Anyways, let's get to my favorite one, the D one team of the season. And I know a lot of you guys are going to be in my comment section after this, probably ready to be upset. But I think some of these are legit. So we're going to start with our first add-on, and that's going to be the goalkeeper. And this is his second straight one. Now that I've been doing this, right, for the team of the season, this is his second straight one since I've started doing this. And it's Thomas Dracosha, 19 clean sheets over the league season. And uh, I think if you're Club America, you can't be more impressive defensively uh, with all these clean sheets. I know he got more with the FA Cup, but I didn't add it. But oh my goodness, like this guy continues to rack up clean sheets over. I know it's been a two, three-year span for Surge where he's been able to hold clean sheets, but now we're getting in territory where it's just super elite, and it's it's very, very impressive. Joining Strakosha on this list is Virgil Van Dyke. Obviously, you get twenty clean, almost twenty clean sheets. You got to have your defender in there. Voted though, pretty much the other two votes were. Scriniar of Tottenham Hotspur and he Aaron always gets one guy I think every season in this in this thing and this time it's his defender but you know having an 86 overall defender will do that Um, Sergio Ramos of Augsburg was the last voted in defender it is his first time on this list uh, or on this team of the season and I'm Pretty happy with the votes for those for those uh, for that position in defenders. I think you guys got it right. I think Van Dijk was the only lock that I could have been uh, could have probably told you before we did it. Um, obviously Ramos and Scriniar. I was a little surprised, but at the same time, looking at it, there's not many good center backs in the league that just blow you away like those guys do. So I guess it makes sense. Let's get to the midfielders. Because this was fun, um, I had a lot of fun doing this. I, I think guys are not going to be happy with me either. But, but also we get into these discussions of having the midfielders be so good. And sorry if I cut it right there. There was so much noise. Uh, stupid truck drove by. Um, I probably should close the window. Anyways, I'm, I'm trying to finish this before pe- more people wake up. Um, and uh, anyways, let's get to the midfielders because we had a good time voting for this. And like I said, this is purely voted on by the managers. Um, but let's start with Kai Havertz, 49-25. Oh my goodness, what a season for him. Um, I think you can't say you're not impressed with the way Barcelona have used him and used uh, Paulo Dybala, obviously, Kai Havertz is the main man on this team, almost scoring 50 goals from pretty much the second striker spot. Um, he kind of gets to do whatever he wants, and really he makes that impact. And uh, obviously that's why he's so sought, off, sought after in real life is that he's just so versatile, and he obviously has uh, some amazing passing skills with that pace, and you see it make that impact And uh, for uh, Evan's squad, and he's using him just so easily. It's, it's honestly super annoying. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Carrasco was one of my favorite ones to put on here. 24-9. and He led the way for LAFC, which was a struggling season for them. They didn't really get their feet off the ground, but they didn't struggle in the sense that they put too many losses in a row on them. They did They did look like a bad team for a while, but then they started to get it together again, started winning some games, and they, they did a good job of really recovering at the end of the season. Where I think... Uh, Carrasco was making that impact, was that he was kind of being used as, uh, I think, a cam in some of the games, and then out on the wing, so you really had a guy kind of moving around the park, and I think anytime you do that with a player, and he still makes a really good impact, I think you could be very happy, especially if you're a team like LAFC, uh, getting all their guys back that they sent out on loan. Um, As for the next guy, well, this guy only broke the record for the most assists during a season, and that's Mohamed Salah. I don't think a lot of guys thought... Uh, he wasn't not going to be on here, but Chelsea get their first guy on here. Um, and, of course, he broke the assist record. And I'll talk about the guys he passed the ball to uh, probably very much so uh, in a bit. But, um, you know, having a guy break a record like that, I just think that he, you can't not not put him on the list. <laughs> um, he he was so good. And um, obviously, I expect his numbers to obviously drop from having 38 assists. But knowing Chris, you never know. You might have him do even more with him. Anyways, the last guy is Kevin De Bruyne. I don't think many people were expecting that. He had the most votes for this particular vote. Um, that is, he is on Club América in our league, 31 and 25, just just uh, five assists shy of a 30-30 season. Very impressive for him. Um, a, a lot of us. W- Would have expected more, I think, from De Bruyne, but really the way Serge likes to play, everyone kind of gets a shot to score, um, especially especially if you're in that front three. I think a lot of guys get their opportunities in the midfield, but not nearly as much as those who play in the attacking third uh, more often. Anyway, speaking of those guys who play in the attacking third, let's talk about those who finished in our votes the highest, And um, I was a little surprised to not see my boy Cristiano Ronaldo on here. Kind of disappointing how good he was. I was going to pencil him in until I saw the vote. And I was like, ah, shit. (laughs) He didn't get voted in. Um, So a little surprising the guy with 50 goals didn't get in voting-wise. But, you know, it it didn't happen. Um, When I recorded this, some guys might have changed their minds. But when I record it, usually I give you guys about a week. Um, and if you change your vote after that, well, it's already too late. Anyways, I have Leroy Sané, 37-9 for Arsenal. He was obviously the breakout player of the of the season, and oh my goodness, what an impact he made for Arsenal this season. I know they weren't very bad. Uh, they were a little bad uh, coming towards the end and being consistent, but they weren't bad at the beginning, and they looked like a legit team at the beginning, uh, the way they came out of the gate swinging. Um, it just goes to show you how long our season is. Guys can't really sustain that for forever. It's easier said than done. But one guy who did sustain it, who was a little bit older, was Luis Suarez. I was happy to see him. Just one goal shy of 50, 13 assists to add on for this Wolves team that really, really relied on Suarez to be their main guy scoring the goals. Um, you know, you couldn't be more happy for him. Uh, and in my opinion, it's good to see a different guy besides Ronaldo make this team Um I know who's taking his place really broke the record, but seeing Suarez get on here, seeing Sane get on this list, because you guys recognize the impact they made for their teams, I, I think she goes to show you, you guys are actually maturing when it comes to voting, which is nice to see. I, I got to say, it's 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 about damn time. Anyways, our last one isn't a surprise at all. Henmin Son, 64 goals, 22 assists. By the way, I talked about how good um, Ronaldo and Son were together but Son individually, 64 goals, breaks now the goal-scoring record. And that is where we are now at 64. I've already talked about how great the season has been for Chris and how dominant he's been. But seeing Son come right into this team, play as the higher striker, dominate these, these games so easily, just leads me to believe that there will be more of this in the coming seasons. And whether we'll see a team crack 70 I don't think so, but I do think we'll see guys get pretty damn close. Guys, that is my D2 and D1 team of the season for both. We're going to take a mini break here, and then I'm going to say my goodbyes to Season 2 of the San Pedro FIFA League. All right, we are at the end of this podcast, and now we are at the end of Season 2 of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I've been lucky to do this. Over the last two seasons. And last season I felt like I said a good goodbye. Mostly because I ran right into the transfer window. And I didn't give myself a break. And blah, blah, blah. You guys will not hear from us for a while. That does not mean we do not care. That does not mean that I don't care. We just need a little break. Alright, I got that out of the way. <laughs> I had a lot of fun doing this. For the last two seasons, and specifically this last season where I was actually playing in the league. It didn't add any drama. It just added a little bit more work um, <laughs> to, my, to my week and my months. But I had a really good time doing it. And I hope that you guys, over the course of the season, really got involved with everything that we do on the podcast and on Instagram and on Facebook. And we try and keep you guys involved. And, and we have debates. And we had a debate last night that I woke up to and guys are still arguing about. So, um, you know, I I love that about our league, and it really opens uh, the door for more opportunity as we go into Season 3 because we obviously will be back and we'll be ready to do it again. Um, But whatever you take from this season, whether it was the amazing uh, play and run that Leicester City had, that myself had in the D2 season – uh, to really pull away in the title race. Uh IX Diego being so good in his first season, um you know, and getting promoted to D1, Benfica finally getting there. Uh the playoffs, I mean the playoffs speak for themselves. Oh my god, they're so good. Um and what you took from those two game uh, those four games I should say from those teams and uh those teams avoiding relegation like uh Dortmund and uh, Nacional did the teams that go down how will they respond to um, now being in the second division again with newcomers O'Brien and Corey and their squads guys there is so much intrigue in just that bottom division but now that I look at the top we have Chris looking to continue his undefeated streak we have Serge looking to topple that Um, We obviously will see a revamped Augsburg and Lyon. And then you also have Barcelona in that argument. We have the increasingly improving Celtic in that as well. I look forward to what comes next, and I hope you guys do too. So salutations to Season 2. In a couple weeks, we'll get you guys ready for Season 3. I'm George Tello, and this has been Season 2 of the San Pedro FIFA League Podcast. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks with the beginning of season three.